Yeah. I love my HBCU. And Bond? I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot of And who the ball? So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Cavill's with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is out on assignment. He's literally in the air right now, flying around. He had a change of flight, so he's going to make the show. And then uh, the airlines won't let him be great, as they say. So with that being said, we have our clinical professor, A.D. Drew in the house, along with Professor Bishop. So welcome to episode 253 of Inside HBCU Sports Live Radio Show and Podcast, the show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports. From institutions large and small, from the NEIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic program in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cabell, along with my co-hosts, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, as I said, A.D. Drew will be in the building today. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to KCOA 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer multi-Hall of Fame, I should say, Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Let me get to my colleagues here and go straight to Professor Bishop. How are you doing today? Doing well, Doc. I got a chance to uh, go into Jackson this past weekend, catch a little bit of Jackson State's open scrimmage. Uh, so that was fun. But uh, I tell you what, uh, man, we got to get into it. Uh, it's going to be a very exciting show today. Uh, of course, just making the rounds was Amisha Williams holiday and uh, getting drafted last night by the Indiana Fever. I didn't hear about that, Charles. I know you're just not going to fly by that. (laughs) We're going to come back to you so you can go a little deeper in there because your chest is out there, and it should be. I mean, Mm. representing Jack State University, SWAC, and HBCUs, that um, is really big-time history. We were all on the call. Um, Dwayne Lewis put together – with the coach and Anisha Williams in terms of what's going on there. So I'm going to let you take a little deeper dive into that. But before I do that, let me make sure I welcome Professor Drew to the studios and ask him how he's doing. I see that he has the 2022 cap on for the Black College World Series. And before I do that, let me just go ahead and get this promo in tonight on the show. Tune in tomorrow night and the following three Wednesdays. For the road to Montgomery, the Black College World Series preview show, join A.G. Drew of BCSN and Michael Polka of the Black College Nines as they preview the potential participants in the NCAA Division II and NAIA baseball for this historic event. The road to Montgomery will be live streamed right here on the Black College Sports Network at 7 p.m. Eastern at 6 p.m. Central. So make sure you dig that and catch that. 
and hopefully I didn't steal too much of your thunder because I just wanted to say, how you doing, Professor Drew? Oh, working hard, man. Working hard, trying to put together the uh, the show script for tomorrow night, graphics, you know. Even though it's only a four-week podcast, anytime that you come that you come on, and you know how we like to do it at the Black College Sports Network, we want it to be professional, you know. We don't want you to know the difference between our four letters and the other four-letter network when it comes to the production on the on the streaming side. Obviously, the over-the-air stuff, they they got us beat. We can't touch that. But when you get on that phone, tablet, uh, iPad, computer, we want it to be the same quality, same, same similar type graphics, all that good stuff. So a lot, lot of long, hard work putting this uh, stuff together. And You do a great really, job at that. Yeah, really looking job. forward to this Black College World Series. Uh as we start to get more and more people in tune to what we're trying to do in Montgomery, Alabama. Yes, no doubt. No doubt. We look forward to it as well. You do a great job. Keep it going. Let me go back to Charles. Do not want to bury the lead. Williams Holiday selected in WNBA draft. First HBCU player drafted since 2002. Charles, how you feeling, man? I I mean, I'm so excited for her. I mean, um, uh, they had the cameras there uh, for her watch party uh, in terms of when she got drafted. And to, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those situations you almost get a little bit emotional when you see athletes realize their dreams. And for her to get that call uh, from Indiana Fever and to have those tears of joy and to be surrounded by family, surrounded by her coaches from middle school to high school to college, uh, it was surreal to kind of watch it. But uh, I, I tell you what, so extremely proud for Misha uh, from – the time she uh, came into Jackson State, she really uh, reset Jackson State women's basketball, and, and it is a tremendous thing to sit back and watch. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like you said, I'm just glad I had to do my little reporting and be that part. So I can only imagine how you feel following them all year long, seeing the growth. And I'm not talking about this year. A lot of people now see a lot more of what you've done, but you following this this program from ages particularly over the last couple of years in terms of what I frankly want to say is a rebirth to Jackson State Athletics. And that's from afar, um, just the rich tradition, but how much is going on. And you got Phillips on here that says it, D.I. Love, the epicenter of all HBCU sports and culture. And it's hard for me to argue with that. You know, we tease each other and we have our own pride, but in terms of what's going on there, it certainly is the epicenter in a lot of ways. Obviously, other HBCUs are doing some tremendous work on various levels, but right now, a lot of great attention is going into Jackson, Mississippi, deservedly so. Let me give a shout out to Chad Cooper. Good evening, as he says. Chuck Hunt is always in the building. Uh, Ninzo Phillips, Ricky Burton, G Boom Holly, and that was uh, Phillips that said, D, I love giving us the business right there, talking about the epicenter of all HBCU sports and culture. I have to agree with that. As I said, GB, G Boom Holly says time for the lab. Date, I'm ready. Let's go. Karen Griffin, greetings from Southern California. Uh, Ricky Burden always says, we in the lab, baby. Yes, Troy Franklin. Christopher Darrell, I think that's uh, uh, Darrell that I know there. Chuck Hunt, I'm going to leave it like that, though. Edwin Dwight, uh, Dwight Moore is in the house. Says, Good evening, Dean and professors, no doubt about it. Lennon Blow. Uh, Ricky Burton again. So shout out, keep it coming. In terms of to give you latest and greatest, she becomes the sixth, and that is history. Five previous HBCU players drafted into the WNBA. 
1997, Denise Graves. 1998, Karen Wilkins. Both of those of Howard, that's second round, 15 overall, fourth round, 38 overall. 2002 was a plethora. We had three players drafted. Andrea Garden Howard, second round, 27th pick, Utah. Amber Congo Lowe, North Carolina Central, fourth round, 56 overall pick, the Phoenix. Jaslyn Winfield, Southern University, fourth round pick, 59th overall to Utah. Um, and now we have none other than Jackson State University women's basketball player, Misha Williams Holiday, was selected in the WNBA draft to Indiana Fever, 6'4", senior from Gulfport, Mississippi, third round pick, 25th, 25th overall, becomes the first HBCU player, as we said, since 2002. So a lot of significance in terms of that move. Anything else you want to add for that, Charles? Yeah. And, you know, I do want to add that, uh, the HBCUs and the WNBA do have a, 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 a significant uh, sort of uh, history uh, in that in the inaugural uh, WNBA season, former HBCU standout coach and player Denise Taylor was first head coach of the Utah Stars. So I did want to point that out there um, for our, our nice history books out there. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice one. I like the way you stuck <laughs> that in. It was well done and timely, I must add. With that being said, let me let me sneak this in here a little bit. It's coming. I know it's coming. I just want to give everybody the big Ben HBCU football award. We have our three finalists. Um, and so we will make sure you get that information as we move forward. And we'll come out with the finalists. So we haven't forgot that. I'm just giving you a breath of fresh air a little bit, and making sure people understand that all these things are coming. We want to make sure that you're ready. I can tell you the three finalists. We have Andrew Body, Texas Southern University, Jawan Pass of Prairie View A&M University, and Shador Sanders of Jackson State University. Uh, three quarterbacks. First time we've had three quarterbacks as our finalists. Won't tease you with the stats. We'll save that a little bit. Many of you all know probably one of those stats of each of the players that you may have followed uh, for one reason or the other. To remind people, and you talk about these three players, to be a awarded the Big Ben Award finalists or even in terms of the candidacy over the year football season, you have to have a connection to Texas, which means either you were born in the state of Texas and played for HBCU, went to a high school, played football in the state of Texas and went to HBCU. Or you can be from outside of the state of Texas, but obviously you had to play for a HBCU uh, with a football program that is in the state of Texas uh, to have that connection. So excited about that. Uh, we did wait, but we decided we're going to push it because everything going on to the spring football and see if we can recognize these players a little more amongst some of the other accolades who are coming out there. So we look excited as we wind it down and tease it out just a little more in terms of the big band, El Cavill Senior HBCU Football Award, um, and we will make the official announcement as we get a little further down the stretch. So that's a little tease. Keep it coming uh, in terms of what that looks like. Let me go back to you, uh, Drew. Any other thing that you want to add it in terms of some HBCU news that you want people to keep on the top of their mind that's intriguing for you right now? Right. Before I get to that, I do want to say I would love to be in the uh, back back room when those three are sitting back there talking trash each other, seeing which one of them win. I just want to throw that out there because all three of them have that right to brag about something that they did last year. 
<laughs> no doubt about it. Good point. Great point. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to go uh, kind of a uh, surprise to a lot of people. Uh, Badlock, uh, Tony Badlock becomes the new men's basketball coach at Alabama State University. Uh, Dr. Jason Cable has announced Tony Badlock as a new men's basketball coach for the Hornets. And he comes by way of South Carolina State after only one year at South Carolina State. A couple of things about this, and I and you can go to the Alabama State, Bama, Bama statesports.com and read more about it but a couple of things about this uh this hire number one uh it was rumored that miles head coach fred watson fred real watson was the leading candidate for mm. this this particular job i did hear that with alabama a&m open makes you wonder if he's on that list and where he ranks on the Alabama A&M list. So maybe that's why that may be one reason for a change of direction by Alabama state compared to the rumors that we were hearing out there. That's number one. Right. And when you talk about that, is this the case where for whatever reason, the job was offered and they couldn't come to financial terms or did they hear maybe he was leaning in a different direction? It would be interesting you know, how true are those rumors or, or just somebody putting things out there and they were actually purposely going in another direction anyway. Yeah. And if you go back to Carlos Brown's show, uh, I believe it was two Saturdays ago when uh, Coach Van Padaway was on there and uh, who's on the search committee for Alabama AM and describing the type of person that they were looking to bring in. They were looking to bring in somebody who does not consider Alabama AM as a stepping stone type job, somebody who's going to be there with, with some longevity. After seeing this and thinking back to that interview, makes me wonder if Fred is on that list because he fits all, a, a lot of the different criteria that uh, Coach Van Petaway talked about. Now, I hope, I hope Fred's on that list. I hope he gets an opportunity. Damn good basketball coach has, has had success both at Benedict and at, at Miles College, and uh, when I was coaching at Tuskegee, he put a mini L on a brother, although we, <laughs> did, although we did get him our fair share of times, too. Uh, and also, South Carolina State. We, we've all heard all the different grumblings going on in South Carolina State, a couple, a couple of lawsuits by ex-coaches against, uh, against the administration there at South Carolina State. Did Matlock see something and decide to get out before the, sh- the ship sank? Or, you know, wh- why did he leave after one year? You usually don't see coaches leave after one year, especially to take what will be considered essentially a lateral move, mid-major uh, to mid-major uh, move, you know, not moving up to a power uh, power five uh, school. The only, the only thing about it, you just move conferences. But other than that, it's pretty much a lateral move. So makes you wonder about the state of athletics at South Carolina State also. Excellent points there. I think the other big news is the fact that his son is in the transfer portal. So do you get I wonder where he's going. One. And, right. <laughs> I mean, he averaged, what, 18 points? So yeah, that's easy. That's an easy call. Really exactly. Mm-hmm. You would think so. You would think so, but you, you never know. Uh, but that being said, let's get into the break. We'll come back on the other side and get into some 
uh, other news and maybe get in a little bit of some baseball updates before we give you an interview in the second half of the show. With that, stick with us, Dr.ville inside HBCU Sports Lab with Professor Bishop, Professor Drew. Stickers will be right back after this break, heading into the second quarter. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Network. Tell everybody they can follow their dreams. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best Black College baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for Black Baseball's ultimate pride. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working. <laughs> never not working. Never, ever not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield, never not working. <laughs> Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor, uh, yes, sir, yes, sir. and pay attention, Boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Live with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're on the move with Professor Bishop and Professor Drew. As Drew is sitting in for Mike Washington, let's get back into it. Let's get some of these honors going on out here. Let's dip in, show a little love to the MEAC, and then let's get into the SIC. Obviously, SWAC honors, they usually drop today, Wednesday morning, so we hadn't got them yet. We'll make sure we give them updates on Thursday. But in terms of what we have, MEAC, uh, Professor Bishop, give us some MEAC, and then we'll go to Drew to see if he can sneak in a little bit of the SIC updates for us. Yeah, let's go with the MEAC. They announced their weekly baseball honors, which is presented by Coca-Cola. Delaware State sophomore infielder Trey Page was selected the MEAC Baseball Player of the Week. Uh, the conference announced today, and Coppin State pitcher Justin Johnson 
was named the Rookie of the Week while Coppin State sophomore Jordan Hamburg, he earned a Pitcher of the Week. Let's take a look at what they did. Uh, when we take a look at um, Delaware State sophomore Trey Page, he batted 500 for the week, racking up eight hits and 16 at-bats over the course of five games, and six of those eight hits were for extra bases. But the week, Page drove in five runs, six, scored six times, and he had three home runs and three doubles. It's safely in all five games, including a three-for-three effort on Sunday against Maryland Eastern Shore. We take a look at Johnson. He pitched a combined five innings in relief in two appearances this past week, giving up just one earned run and fanning a total of nine batters. He tossed two scoreless innings against Mount St. Mary's, facing the minimum and striking out three. Then he picked up a three-inning save against Norfolk State, striking out six in only three innings of work. In Hamburg, he scattered five hits and fanned a career-high 13 batters while walking only one in a complete game shutout win over Norfolk State on Sunday. So those were your MEAC honors on the baseball side. And they're playing four games uh, for the baseball standings on a weekly. And they just can't shake each other. Coppin State holds on <laughs> to first place for the second week. But, I mean, it's a two-game lead. Uh, yeah. So it's just what it is so far. Coppin State at 9-7. Delaware State and Maryland Eastern Shore at eight and eight, and Norfolk State two games behind the top leading Cotton State, as we said, at seven and nine. So just intriguing when you just talk about how they're clustered up there, just not a lot of room to shake things out, and they just kind of stick where they are. So um, if we use that framing of <laughs> Professor Drew, he just he's going to say that's just me acting, but <laughs> I, I'm not going to go there for it. It's very clustery. Yeah, SIAC. Give us some updates in terms of what's going on over there, Professor Drew, and the SIAC. As we are starting to get ready, uh, Division Two they close things down. Obviously, you have baseball uh, in the SIAC, softball, and um, in both the SIAC and the CIAA. But let's focus on that baseball as you're getting ready for the uh, Black College World Series. But give us some updates. What's going on over there in the SIAC? We're going to start off with the weekly honors. Uh, Issa Bing of Clark Atlanta University was named Player of the Week, and Jeremiah Reddle of Albany State was named Pitcher of the Week. Uh, Bing is a six-foot infielder sophomore from Decatur, Georgia. He had 11 hits, seven RBI, scored with 10 runs over four games last week for Clark Atlanta as they won all four of those games. Uh, he went two for two against Morris College and then the three games against Benedict. He went nine for 14 with seven RBIs, eight runs scored, stole two bases, and just for good measure, he went yard one time. Uh, Jer- Jeremiah Reddle of Albany State's a five nine pitcher from right there in Albany, Georgia. He improved his season record at six and two. After a dominating performance on the mound against Morehouse, Jeremiah pitched nine innings for a shutout win over the Maroon Tigers. Reddo gave up six hits while striking out eight batters. Anytime you get more strikeouts than uh, hits, chances are you're going to win nine out of ten of those games. So uh, taking a look at the SIAC standings, just a second. 
Yeah, you know, uh, SIAC went away from the divisional format for baseball. They, uh, That's right, top, it sure did. Top, top eight teams will qualify for the tournament. Uh, Savannah State, 22-1 and one in Woo! conference. That one loss, I believe, was to Kentucky State uh, early in the uh, conference schedule back in March. Albany State just can't catch them because Savannah State refuses to lose. Albany State with a very impressive 17 and 3 record. I mean, 17 and 3 any other year puts you at first place, except for this okay. year. Uh, Miles coming in at third place at 15 and 6, Spring Hill 13 and 4, Kentucky State. Eight and four, uh, Kentucky State's uh, been hampered by weather. That's why they've uh, uh, that they have a struggle catching up with the number of games. Tuskegee eight and nine, and then Boarhouse Lane and Clark kind of uh, rounded up. Uh, you know everybody else down there. Boarhouse with six wins. Everybody else three and three or less in conference. Great update in terms of SIC. Should be fascinating in terms of. Um, how it goes out, those teams that, that gets into the tournament, any upset there, uh, and what that will mean for the Black College World Series as those teams are jockeying for positions to make sure they put themselves in a position maybe to get an invite to that tournament. It was fascinating when you just kind of talk about what that looks like. I did want to backtrack and give some love to the women's side in terms of softball. Maryland Eastern Shore is getting it done sitting at 10 and 2, right behind them. Uh, Norfolk State and Morgan State sitting at nine and three, and then Howard is eight and three, uh, passing it up. The rest of the teams are struggling a bit in terms of multiple uh, losses uh, in terms of the conference race. So it'll be fascinating to see how that continues to churn out, if you would, over there in the MEAC. Uh, fascinating things going in that uh, position there. With that being said, did want to get your thoughts, Charles, a little bit of some of these scores from the SWAC. You know, it's interesting, you know, things seem to maybe tighten up, change it around. Uh, What's going on? My intrigue right now, obviously a lot of things going on in the West, but some of us wanted to bury Jackson State, or at least some people out there did. And you had that interesting matchup uh, in terms of the rivalry, Mississippi Valley, Jackson State Valley looked like it was on the ups start in a lot of ways, really playing some Solid baseball took the win against Bethune-Cookman. But as things started to play out, maybe Bethune-Cookman is not as strong as we thought they would be as they sat at the top. That has changed a little bit. Had the rivalry series, if you would, over in the west with uh, Prairie View, Texas Southern. Going back to the east, you had the FAMU and Bethune-Cookman. Somebody brought out the brooms in one of those games there. But Jackson State, they kind of moved out of that bottom of the cellar there. What do you think of yeah. some of this baseball going on? Yeah, the reality is Jackson State was looking up at Mississippi Valley going into that series, a huge weekend series for Jackson State. The backs woke up. Uh, Mississippi Valley State's pitching was the salve that the Jackson State backs needed uh, over the weekend, huge weekend sweep. And we'll see what, what that uh, does for this Jackson State baseball team. We'll see if it, it gets them going in this second half of the season. But the big ones that I was looking at this weekend, bam, you, uh, sweeping Bethune Cookman, and then Prairie View taking uh, two of three uh, from, from Texas Southern. So I thought that was a huge weekend uh, for a Prairie View's baseball team as that West bunches up even more. Uh, like I said, we've been taking a look at Texas Southern, uh, but they've kind of stubbed their toe the past couple of weeks now. Top eight teams, four in each division, go to the SWAC 
baseball tournament. So let me give you those teams. Standings in the East. Alabama State is 10 and 2. FAMU with the big sweep of Bethune Cookman ascends to number two at nine and three. Bethune Cookman falls to seven and five. Jackson. And now they would be in the tournament at four and eight. Uh, the rest of the teams are sitting at three and nine. In terms of the West, top four teams are Southern, nine and three, ascending to the top of the conference. And they got a game up on both Prairie View and Grambling State, eight and four, as Southern was able to sweep their series with Alcorn. Grambling and Prairie View took two out of three. Uh, and so you have Arkansas Pine Bluff and Alcorn State bringing up the rear outside, uh, looking in to see if they can find a way to make some room to get in there. Uh, team that's interesting is Texas Southern that started off so hot, they fell to six and six. Uh, did everything they needed to do to make sure they didn't get swept down their prayer view. This week, we'll talk a little more about this on Thursday as you start looking at the fact um, that uh, games will be played a little early. You'll have Thursday, Friday, Saturday uh, in terms of series because of Easter Sunday. Uh, but things get just as interesting. We'll sneak this out there. Prayer view heads into Southern. We'll talk about a little some other matchups. We'll take our break. As we get into it, and we'll be right back after this segment. This is Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Stick with us. We'll be back after this break. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support myjbn.com backslash support for more information. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only Mobile Cigar Lounge, featuring a meticulous, curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Itchy, squirmy, scratchy, family not getting clean. Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get them. It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, clean bottom. (laughs) (laughs) We all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love left and who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Coming back off of assignment, we have Professor A.D. Drew and Professor Charles Bishop. Getting into a little discussion about this baseball. Let's take a deeper dive. BCSN does a ranking system. You've heard this for football. You've heard it for men's and women's basketball. Many of y'all don't realize they do it for baseball as well. And they break it down from NIA 
NCAA Division II and NCAA Division I, obviously football is FCS. Fascinating about that because the only program that I know out there that dedicates this space and separates what it looks like at the NIA and the Division II level. Most programs, including ours, when we look at these rankings, we tend to put NIA and Division II together. Uh, we do it, we call it mid-major level. Baseball, black college nines, they do it. They call it the small colleges, if you would, um, as we call the Division I FCS, uh, major division, and other ones call it large, uh, Division I, Division II type breaks down. But tell us how you come up with this formula, Drew, before we get into these top teams. Uh, well, just just a little bit of background. My formal training is I have a degree in economics. So me putting formulas together like this is how, how I am formally, formally trained uh, with the master's degree in economics. So with that, getting that out the way, basically what, what we do is we, we assign points based upon the, the records of the teams. The points are determined by conference win percentage. Overall win percentage, those who add those who add it together, then we take a strength of schedule. We have a we, we use massive ratings to determine their strength of schedule. We, we factor that in, also factor in their their power rating, and finally you get you get bonus points for road wins and not non-conference HBCU wins. So those teams that play other HBCUs outside of their their conference, because if you play HBCU in your conference, that's already in the formula. We give we give you bonus points for that, so that you're getting more of an apples to apples comparison. So, for example, if Jackson State were to play Norfolk State in baseball, those would be those would be considered bonus games, bonus opportunities to earn bonus points and move them up our rankings. We take all those things, all those together, we put them in a pot, uh, run the algorithm, and this is and the formula is what we have. Let's do this um, before we take this break. We get prepared to bring our interview in. Tell us the top two teams in each of the division, if you would. Let's go through that, um, and then we'll head into a break. All right. In the NAIA, we'll start bottom up. NAIA, your top two teams are Russ College and Talladega, as you see right there on the screen. You can read the rest of them for yourself. Russ coming in with 160 points, Talladega coming in with 154 points. And this was games through this past Sunday. Uh, Good stuff. So let's go ahead and turn to Division Two. Give me the ter- top two. I like that Xavier, as they've gotten in the baseball business, they're playing a really solid baseball just for a second-year program. What do you got at the Division Two level top two teams there? Division Two may, be, may surprise a few people as we have Albany State rated slightly above Savannah State, ah. and that is based on strength of schedule by mm. Albany State. Uh, obviously. Obviously, SIAC is is going to balance itself out because everybody plays everybody. SIAC. That's a lot of that's based on the non conference uh, opponents that they that they have had thus far. I like that's pretty awesome. Go to the Division One. Yeah. That stands out here to me for everybody as he brings it up. And you see it. A lot of swag. A lot of swag is all swag. 
<laughs> I mean, when you got the MIAC beating up on each other, nobody could get a sweep in the MIAC. That, that leaves that leaves a swag. I mean, you play somebody four times in the MIAC, somebody go get a game in there somewhere. At least you, you would think so. And the MIAC has proven it with everybody right there at the Mendoza line, as they like to say it. But Southern, FAMU, FAMU moved up uh, two places based upon that sweep that they had over Bethune with Bethune dropping two places. So they, they flip-flopped. FAMU was uh, actually over, able to overtake Alabama State because, because of that uh, victory. And that was due a lot of strength of schedule because strength of schedule is determined on the opponent at the time that you played them. If that game was to be played this week, Fam, you would not get as much strength of schedule points as they did last week because of where Bethune was rated going into that series. It's a whole lot of parity, AD, because when you take a look at that list, Southern and Swag West, then you got three Swag East teams, Prairie View sitting there at fifth. But I'm sitting there thinking about all those teams right there around each other in the Swag West. A lot of parity Swag in the Swag baseball stands this year. So, yeah, and it's going to make it interesting for the baseball tournament to really see which division they leveling off uh, having is. For the years we thought it was in the West, and you've seen it break to the East, kind of came back to the West. Uh, with the expansion, it's going to be fascinating to see what it looks like. Let's get into the break. Uh, we have a surprise on the other side. This is Dr. Bill, Inside HBC Sports Lab. We'll be right with you after this break. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. You see Head & Shoulders has a scalp shield technology protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working! I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield. Never not working. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best black college baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for black baseball's ultimate prize. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who the ball, ball, So listen to Professor Yesa, yes, and pay attention, because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike is out on assignment. So we have clinical professor Drew joining us today, along with Professor Bishop. And we have Coach Tamika Reed, that is championship coach Tamika Reed. I should say multi-champion if I want to really get this correct over the year. Welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I want to belabor the point, but I, I have to say this. You know, as professor of HBCU sports, uh, for a long time, my research has been about HBCU sports. 
but your post-game interview brought me to my knees in regards to just celebrating the coach of what my research has been about for literally the last 15 years. And what you were able to sum up and was so powerful in a couple of minutes, I've labored the point. So you will forever be my hero, uh, Shiro, as they say it in a lot of ways. So I had to take a couple of minutes and share that with you because it was that dynamic. As they say around these parts, it was really a drop the mic. And I'm like, I couldn't wait to talk about it the, the next show. I couldn't wait to call Charles and tell all the folks, did you hear that? Did you understand that? Did you see that? that that's, that's it. That, that, that's it. So I guess I'll get into that. Where did that come from? Well, first of all, uh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, never did I think or want or have any hopes for that speech to go as viral as it did. Um, what happened was it was a moment of a lot of disrespect that I received in that game. And uh, it was disheartening to go through it, you know, to hear some of the things that uh, the official gave me the technical foul. Here's some of the things that he said to me. Um, you know, he told my assistant coach, you better sit her down before I do. And, you know, I mentioned to him, how do you have the audacity to speak to me that way? I'm a division one head coach, just like everybody else that you in the other games you've coached. Our program is 21 and 0 in terms of the wins in a row. Uh, we're 18 and 0 in the conference. We have a stellar program. You wouldn't talk to Kim Mulkey like that is what I told him. And so um, it was just a moment, you know, I, it, it was just a moment that it, I felt very degraded, you know, and I felt less than. And um, I knew I had to fight for my team in that game. I, I, it wasn't about the X's and O's. It wasn't about anything but keeping my girls motivated, keeping them encouraged, and being able to, to fight that battle on that stage in terms of making sure we got the respect we needed to have a chance to win that game. And so after the game, my players were so hurt. And I just saw the hurt on their faces and they just felt like they, I felt empty. They felt empty. They looked empty and they were so upset. The words they were using, I said, you guys, we're not going to walk away and hang our hats on that one game. We're not going to walk away and give one person that much credit for, for taking away an opportunity. We made mistakes. We missed crucial free throws. We missed layups. We turned the ball over. And we had some other obvious things that happened in that game. But we're not going to point, pinpoint one thing at all. What we are going to do is keep knocking on these doors. You have accomplished some things that hadn't been accomplished in, in HBCU basketball is what I told the team. And so, and that's where that, that's where they came from. I told them that in the locker room, we're going to keep knocking. If anybody can knock a door down and create opportunity, Jackson State women's basketball can do it. And I told them we will do it. And so that's what the whole speech was about, to make sure my players have more fight coming into this next year. Now we got some, now we got something to fight for, you know, now we got something bigger to prep, prepare for. So that's where that came from. Wow. You certainly poured it in them and you keep knocking those doors now, but now I'm officially a little nervous. You know, I, I pull for some of these other schools. I'm a big fan, but I'm like, uh, now we have more motivation. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 
<laughs> but with that being said, I don't want to hog it up, so I'm going to share. Let me go to uh, Charles. You're very familiar with Professor Bishop over there, as we like to call him in these parts. Let me ha- let him ask a question, and then we'll follow up Professor Drew. Sure thing. Thanks, Doc. But, you know, Coach, I, and I want to say this um, as an alumnus first uh, of Jackson State, uh, you were at the head of this metamorphosis of Jackson State Athletics. I remember telling uh, Ashley Robinson uh, back, I believe, a couple of years ago, at least two, three years ago, and it was a semifinal loss to Southern uh, in a SWAC tournament. And I said, Coach, I, I told uh, Ashley, I said, you have a coach here who is at the cusp of turning this whole thing around. So I want to start off by thanking you for that. Thank you. Uh, and I want to say this, um, you've, you've positioned this Jackson State basketball team uh, right here as uh, what I would consider a mid-major, a la a Gonzaga, a Butler, or a Virginia Commonwealth. What are the next steps uh, that this program has to take now to go forward into really cementing themselves uh, uh, in the NCAA tournament going forward? Yeah, that's a great question, and and what it's it's truly a blessing, and I'm I'm just just so thankful that when you write down plans and you write down your goals, you're able to accomplish those. And God sees fit to show favor and mercy for you to accomplish those goals. Every plan that I've had for Jackson State, I had a four year plan. I'm in my fourth year. We saw those pl- those plans come forward. The one thing I went back and looked over my four-year plan about two weeks ago that we hadn't accomplished was to get to the second round of the NCAA tournament. And, you know, national prominence, national attention, that was something big for this first, this fourth year. And I'm telling you guys, having our player drafted last night, you know, striking the media with the speech, playing a game that we played against LSU, the national attention is there. Now we have to continue to go forward. Uh, they just came out with the top 25 mid-majors in the program in the, in the country, and we're number 15. Wow. I'm, very, I'm very proud of that. And so, you know, so now we're able to bring in some better recruits. We have some, some better players coming in because we want to continue to elevate. And for us, we want to get to that second round of the tournament. And now even more so, we want to get to the Sweet 16. We want to do some things. And that's, that's been our whole thing here at Jackson State. Do something that's never been done. That's what my women's basketball program has really locked in on and want to accomplish here as we go, you know, into different years. So now we want to do something that's never been done let's get to second round let's get to the sweet 16 that's going to be a tough feat to accomplish not by any means would it be easy but that's what our plans are and our vision for this next season is going to be obviously i want to say this with all due respect we want to be competitive in our preseason next year we want to do great in our conference we want to win our conference and we want to have another chance to get to that um that ncaa tournament to get to the second round and hopefully sweet 16. Thank you, Coach. Professor Drew, great point. Uh, well, first of all, uh, full disclosure, I'm a Florida A&M uh, graduate and a uh, Tuskegee graduate. But last night, I was an HBCU fan, you know, uh, sitting uh, watching, uh, watching the other four-letter network and hoping that we did hear her name called. We we know we always read the projections about this player may get drafted, that player may get drafted. Not only not only WNBA, but all all sports. But to actually sit there and watch 
at HBCU play and get drafted. And no, no, no matter what happened in Miami last year, what happened in Miami this year, I was a Jackson State fan last night, the Misha Williams holiday fan uh, last night. Now, with, with that being said, uh, I want to lighten the room up a little bit, uh, Coach. Uh, you've had these guys, they Bishop and Neely, putting microphones in your face for the last year, year and a half. So I, I, I've got to ask, I, this question is twofold. What has it been like dealing with those two coming up to you, probably at some inopportune times, because as a coach, sometimes it's, they won't be, they won't interview, but you 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 in coach mode right then. That's number one. And then number two, on a more serious uh, level, what has it been like having something like the pregame show as a pseudo arm of the athletic department and uh, sports information to help get your story out. You know, I think it's, I think it's great. You know, I, I like the fact that they come up. I like when they come up in heated moments. Um, I like when they come up, you know, at the games. Um, I think it's all in preparation. You know, it's all in preparation for, for preparing for, you know, for that atmosphere, for bigger scenes, because if they didn't do it, I wouldn't have the experience with it. And so I'm very thankful that they are able to do that. Um, it helps me grow as a, as a coach and it helps me, you know, be able to talk and, and deliver uh, messages from our, our team perspective. So I, I thank you guys for that perspective as well. And it also helps put our program in the spotlight for people to learn more about our program. I am just so happy that we're able to pull people like you, uh, you know, who went to other HBCUs, but still support women's basketball here at Jackson State, not in terms of win and losses, but because of respect. That's what their platform gives us when they are able to uh, record us and, and, and put us on social media and on YouTube so the country can see it. Um, I'm just really happy because I'm seeing them grow, grow, grow. I'm seeing the technology grow. I'm seeing, seeing their equipment continue to grow. Their questions get better and better every time. So it's just a great process to be able to go through and experience with those two guys. And they are so talented, so super talented. Thank you, Coach. Really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I guess y'all can keep coming back now. So, <laughs> this is a good check. You can pay me later for asking that question, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Uh, as we get to it. And, and to that point, before we get back to your question, Raymond Cox did say, I guess Charles Bishop is okay sometimes. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with that being said, let's get into the big news, what everybody saw and excited about. And give us some insight that, that we may not have heard thus far. And that was that Indiana Fever kicked off the third round of the WNBA draft by selecting Amisha Williams Holiday of Jackson State University of the Swag. HBC yeah. program, obviously the sixth player to be drafted by the NBA. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that was huge for, for us. Amisha was extremely nervous. Um, she she did paperwork to enter the draft um, about three months ago. The WNBA sent me an email, and when I got the email, I was like, oh, my goodness. She is getting ready to complete paperwork. We didn't seek for that. We didn't send for that. They sent it to us. We had her to do this paperwork. It was about 20, 25 pages long, um, very detailed paperwork. 
And so I knew she had somewhat of a chance. What kind of chance? We just didn't know. Um, and then, you know, Amisha had some pro combines to go work out for. She did not want to go. So, you know, I, I saw fit to get her to one. Um, Brian, Brian Adams got her to that one. Um, and then we had another one in Minnesota for her to go to. And she didn't want to go. She said, Coach, I'm not going to another combine. I said, Amisha, you know, we're coming from the HBCU. You're my superstar. I get it. But they don't understand what you are to me and why you are that. We got to go show these people you know what you're doing. No, Coach, I'm good. I don't want to go to the combine. So I said, okay. So then, you know, we did wow. research and found the best agent. Her agent also represents Victoria Vivis and some other big-time players. And so when we talked to him, he was sold. He was excited about her. So going into the draft, he had already spoke to about five teams. He knew uh, there was a lot of interest, you know, coming aboard from all these teams, but he just didn't know which way she was going to go. Who would take the chance, right? And so everybody liked Amisha. They, they liked what she brought, but nobody was ready to take that chance. The day of the draft, everybody started calling her agent, four teams. Four teams were really wanting her. We're going to take her 27. One team said they was going to take her, thir- you know, thir- late third in the 30s, 30s. And one team said 27. Derek Fisher from Los Angeles Sparks called and said, hey, I'm taking her at 27. Um, and while he was on the phone with Derek Fisher, Indiana Fever took her at 25. Wow. So. <laughs> And I and I told Amisha, I said, Amisha, they they are they they are all wanting you. Somebody gonna take you earlier. And as soon as 25 hit, I knew it was gonna be her name because of the way the teams had had started communicating with her agent and wanting wanting her um, to stay until a little later. I really appreciate you taking us inside that and uh, sharing some of that news. I really also uh, commend you all to taking the extra step of doing the watch party. So um, everybody, especially Anisha, could enjoy that with the family, players, and coaches. I think that is significant to take that extra step. And then you shared it with a lot of other folks. That was huge. Let me let Charles get in here and ask this final question um, because we know your time is valuable. Sure thing. Uh, last question, and I want to ask from a coaching perspective, what do you think Amisha needs to do to uh, be on that Indiana Fever roster uh, come open day? Well, I told Amisha, she leaves out tomorrow um, at 1030, flying to Indiana. And I told her, you are a pro now and you have to carry yourself as such. It's no more shy girl. You're going into a training camp where everybody's trying to get theirs. Everybody wants to look good. You have to demand the ball when you post up. Don't just assume they're going to give it to you. Demand the ball. Open your mouth. Have a voice. Be a beast on the board. Run the floor. You have to outdo some players because right now you're still questionable in their eyesight. You got to go make some believers out of them. If anybody can do it, I know you can. That's the conversation I had with her today. And I told her I need you in the gym early, leaving late. This is not Jackson State where you just walk in the gym and you're better than everybody that, that comes on the floor. No, you're with pros. Early, be in early, leave late. So she understands. I told her I want you to change all your thought process. You're not, they don't see you as better than them. To me, you are, but they don't see that. You have to work, you have to prove who you are and show them what you're working with. And so that's the conversation I had with her. Those are some things she's going to have to do from the initial front to show what type of player she is. But I told her also, I need her shooting the basketball from away, um, 
away from the basket. You know, she can add that to her game. She's going to be that much tougher to defend. And she already, already has a really good jump shot. I told her, don't be afraid to shoot that ball. And also I told her, be able to put the ball on the floor, one or two dribbles to get to the rim. If the girls are bigger than her, because she's going in at a, at a center. If the girls are bigger than you, you got to get around them. So, you know, we talked about the moves that we worked with her all year on. And I told her, you got to go and show those moves. Show these show these coaches that you have some skill development it's, uh, with you, that you know what you're doing. Because right now, they don't think we teach anything in the HBCU community. That's mm. why it's so hard for our players to get drafted. Show them what you know is what I told her. So I think, you know, that point is she, she's one of those players that she's going to prove. She had to prove herself in Mississippi State. That's what she told me. She said, Coach Reed, when I went to Mississippi State, I had to guard Tiara McGowan. Tiara, you guys, is 6'7", six, 6'8", six, big, a successful player yep. in the WNBA. Um, she had to guard her. And she said she's the only player in practice who defended her and who could score over her. And I said, we'll do the same thing in, in this in this. That's training. right. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's right. Yeah. She, she got, you got to we, – we're ready to go. I see where, where you get down and how you get it. <laughs> get the players to be such motivated. I'm fired up. I really want to thank you for your time. Uh, appreciate you joining us. And we're going to close on that great note, uh, a little coaching perspective, if you would, as you get back out there. Keep us updated. We want to know how it's going on the recruiting trail. So whenever you need to get back, or if you give us a chance, let us know when it's appropriate to give us some updates. We'd love to continue uh, to connect and see where you're going with this program because it is exciting to be a part of this, uh, it seems like in so many different ways. So I want to say thank you again and congratulations on what you have, what's ahead of you as well. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Keep keep working, Coach. Amen. Thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Yadikabil, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from Inside the Lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Watch and Charles Bishop. Uh, visiting us today is clinical professor Drew. Uh, before we close out, as we do in normal shows, any final thoughts from you, Drew, that you want to share uh, in terms of that electrifying interview? Great question you asked there. Now, the, the only thing I, I want to know is, and I asked this on the uh, media call last night, the bar has been raised not only for Jackson State, but HBCU athletics, HBCU women's athletics. Where is that new bar? And can we meet those expectations? That's what I am really looking forward forward to see because you know, you, is this a one off, or is is this going to be something that's consistent? And when we know Jackson State has made it, or another HBCU has made it, when they don't win the conference and receive it at large, that's when we know we've made it. Great point. Great point. Let me go to you, Professor Bishop. Any final thought that you wanted to share before we yeah, close it up? I'm glad Coach Reed uh, brought out uh, a guest that we had on the show, Brian Wanky Adams. Had an opportunity to talk with him today. Uh, he's uh, as excited and proud uh, that Amisha was at his uh, combine and was I had an opportunity to get her name out there in front of some uh, WNBA uh, uh, entity. So he's extremely proud of her. Uh, it was great talking to him, and I'm glad we had him on the uh, program because uh, in a lot of ways, you know, her getting to that combine, 
uh, was a preemptive in, in terms of getting drafted. So definitely want to send a shout out to Alcorn great, former Alcorn great, uh, Brian Winky Adams. No problem. Uh, Coach Adams got it done and appreciate you connecting to make sure you get in the show. And it kind of led up to this ultimate destination that we thought was going to happen. So it worked out that way. With that being said, again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Mills Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop. Every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll get into some baseball and tell you about some of those matchups. We might even have some updates as Thursday is going to kick things off instead of the normal Friday uh, as we get into uh, the Easter holiday weekend. Wishing everybody safe uh, as they get into that as well. So we look forward to seeing you on Thursday uh, as we discuss the latest news in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cabill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's DR. K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Inside HBCU Sports Lab 1. That's on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Inside HBCU Sports Lab on YouTube as well. Like and subscribe. Dream big and continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles. Of course. Drew. Lecture. Dismissed. Mahalo. <laughs>